So today we're continuing our series on the book of Joshua. Uh, and I do pray that we could be the Joshua generation. Uh, I'm going to start out with uh, our passage for today. Uh, let's look at Joshua chapter 1, verses 10 to 18. Hear then the word of the Lord. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan. Here, go into take position of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after, after he said, Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may, may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan. But all your fighting men, ready for battle, must cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites. You are to help them until the Lord gives them rest as he has done for you. And until they too have taken possession of the land, the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan toward the sunrise. Then they answered Joshua, Whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, <clears throat> whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, as we open up your word, may the thoughts and meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. And Father, what is not of you, may we not remember, but what is of you, may we take it to heart, remember it, be transformed. And Lord, through it, be the person that you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week, I did a survey on the book of Joshua. The book challenges us to be the Joshua generation. And what, what do I mean by that? God asked people, uh, unlike the previous generation that died off, to believe, trust, obey, and as they go into the promised land. We too have a promised land, and that's ultimately going to see the Lord. And as we uh, are entering into the promised land and prepare ourselves to see the Lord, we ourselves are called by God to be the Joshua generation who believe, trust, and obey Him. And, and once we see God working, do not forget what He has done. And that's what the book of Joshua is about, is building monuments, remembering uh, by altar or rocks or whatever memorials they build to remember what God has done because the Lord is good. The Lord has accomplished everything that He said He would. And I went over with you, there's four divisions in the book of Joshua. The first section, which is chapters 1 to 4, <clears throat> is about Joshua leading the people into the promised land. And then chapters 5 to 12 are the battles that Joshua engages, the battle at uh, Jericho, Ai, and also the battle of winning the hearts of the people, either they're for him and the people of Israel or against him and the people of Israel. And then I shared with you the third section, which is chapters 13 to 22, which is the dividing up the land. And then the last section where Joshua gives his final instruction through his two speeches, chapters 23 and 24. And as we looked at this passage, it is very clear 
that God is working. God is going to do something new, and it's going to be amazing. And just like uh, he's challenging us today as a church and as individuals, even though we're uh, dealing with COVID and different situations in our lives, I do believe God is going to do something new. And he asks us to be strong and courageous, to believe, to trust, and to obey him, and to remember what he has done. So let's look at uh, the events that led up to uh, this uh, passage I just read. Uh, we need to understand that Joshua and Caleb are the remaining generations that is allowed to go into the promised land. Moses and the other generation that died uh, have all died off. But the descendants of this generation that died off has seen with their own eyes the miraculous work of God, where God has led them by the pillar of cloud and by fire uh, in the evening. Uh, they also saw what it means to trust God and what it means not to trust God. They have experienced as children in Numbers chapter 13, when Moses instructed uh, the people under the, under, the, under the direction of God, 12 spies to scout out the promised land. And, and when they returned, 10 of the spies were filled with fear and create doubts within the people. While Joshua and Caleb said, if God said it, we can do it. If God is the God who split the Red Sea, we know that God can do it. But one thing that doesn't please God is when we don't believe what God says. And in fact, if you look at uh, uh, Hebrews 11, 6, it says it is impossible to please God if you don't have faith. And so the people do not believe that God can do this. And so God's anger burns against the people. Uh, and so as a judgment, uh, God brings the two spies and they're struck down with plague uh, before the Lord and they die. Joshua and Caleb are spared. And then God brings a judgment on the people that they will wander the land for 40 years uh, in the desert until they die. And so 40 years later, uh, the first generation had died off. Moses is dead. And the people are gathering right next to the promised land and are ready to take the promised land. And uh, we need to understand, by the way, that before the death of Moses, Moses prepared the transition of leadership. If you read Numbers chapter 27, he is instructed by God to bring Joshua with him and commissions him before Eleazar, the priest, and the people as the leader who will uh, have authority at that time along with Moses. And when Moses dies, he will be the successor. So the time has come where the old generation have passed and a new generation is ready to enter into the promised land. So in Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 9, uh, I preached this at the beginning of the year. Uh, God shares with Joshua uh, about the call of the people. And then he goes on, uh, verses uh, 10 to uh, 18, to trust and to execute uh, by obeying what God has called him to do. So let's look at the call. Uh, and this is a call to Joshua. Joshua is told by the Lord that Moses is dead. And God shares with Joshua what he's going to do. And God, God is promising Joshua in verse 3, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. So God is going to give every place where he's setting his feet on, as he promised Moses. And God is reaffirming what he told Moses to Joshua. And then he says, no one will stand against him, because the Lord will be with them. 
So God is reminding Joshua, with my presence, no one can uh, stand against you. So look at verse 5, 1, 5. It says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, Moses knew the importance of the presence of God. At the presence of God, uh, you can win battles. With the presence of God, you get encouraged. With presence of God, you can see God work in a very powerful way. With the presence of God, you get encouragement. With the presence of God, uh, you get strength. And uh, Joshua is reminded, because of the presence of God, the battle is not his, but the Lord's. Let's look at Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 to 15. He says, Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. This is in a way like a parallel. When Moses was uh, tending to the flock, he saw this burning bush that wasn't burning. Out of curiosity, he sees, uh, he, he goes to the burning bush and he realizes it's the Lord. And in the presence, he comes, takes off his shoes. Now, what's different here is the man, which is God, is dressed with sword, uh, with sword drawn out in battle, battle fatigue. And Joshua is asking, are you for us against us? And the Lord is reminding Joshua, the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. In our lives, there are things that are very difficult for us to accomplish. Unless the power of the Lord works, there's no way we can see it uh, being done. And Joshua is reminded over and over by the Lord, the battle that you're about to enter into, getting the promised land, is not Yours by your own doing, but it's the Lord who will go before you, who will strengthen you, who will guide you. So be strong and courageous. Now, God tells Joshua to be strong and courageous three times. Verse 5, verse 6, and verse 9. Now, what does the word strong mean? It means to be firm, prevail, to strengthen one's confidence. And the word courageous means to be alert, brave, bold, and determined. So be strong and courageous in these three areas. And in verse 5, uh, God encourages him to be strong and courageous. Verse 6, I mean, in his leadership of the people. So as Joshua leads uh, half a million people, imagine the difference of opinions. Imagine how he needs to rally half a million people to go to battle together when they see a God-sized task. It's a daunting task. And so therefore, Verse 6, it says, God says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to your ancestors to give them. So he, God is saying, be strong and courageous in your leadership. And you know what? Leadership is very difficult to execute sometimes because it's not the art of ruling over people, but it's the art of winning people to see it your way. So therefore, be strong and courageous in your leadership. Don't be swayed left and right by what other people say, but be strong. 
but also be strong and courageous in heeding to God's word. Look at verse 7 and 8. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditating day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Well, what is God trying to tell uh, Joshua? He's saying, obey me. Obey what I told Moses, God's word. And you know, often it's really hard to follow God's word, especially in cultural issues that we even face today about sexuality, transgender issues, and mean to stand uh, to God's word and be strong and courageous and follow the word. And we need to obey and stand up. And when I say stand up, it doesn't need to be in a hostile way, but it can be with full of love and grace, with instruction and teaching of what God says as we uh, meditate on his word and the issues that we, we face. And Joshua did face a lot of issues during his time, uh, especially people turning away from the Lord, worshiping idols. Uh, the things that we face, they faced in different shape and form. And so if we do this, God promises in verse 8 that we'll be successful in everything that we do and prosperous in that we'll be uh, financially wealthy. So be strong and courageous as, uh, as we do God's work. And so as we take, the, uh, take possession of the promised land, be strong. So the third part he says is be strong as you do God's work in accomplishing to take the promised land. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. So he says, be strong and courageous in the word of God, obeying it. Now the third part is don't be afraid as you do the work of taking the possession of the land. Don't be discouraged. Do not be full of fear because I'm with you. And just as God has called you out uh, from the wandering, I'm going to lead you through in fulfilling your vision in your life. Do not be afraid. And, and so therefore be strong and courageous. So Joshua is told in three areas to be strong and courageous. As he leads the people, as he obeys the word, and as he goes about accomplishing the task that's before him. And like God, where, like Joshua, where Joshua was called by God to uh, lead the people into promised land, we too have a calling in our lives. A lot of us think that uh, we need to be very specific of what he's calling us to do. The scripture is very clear. If you look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10, uh, God calls us to a relationship with him. That's God's will. But after we have a relationship with him, God calls us to do good works. So what is good works? Uh, it could be service to the poor. It could be through our profession where we can do good works. It is practicing the scriptures to impact the world for the Lord. It means to be a salt and light to the society. So it might be general, and you're going to say, that's too general for me, Pastor Soon. And then be a little bit specific. Let's say God calls us into a business profession, and where our goal is to make money. But as we make the money, it's not about hoarding or being greedy. It's learning to share the money with the needs of the people. Uh, I was reading about uh, Westinghouse, George Westinghouse, 
why he was so revered after he died. You know, he's the one who uh, invented the air brakes and had a company uh, uh, and uh, called General Electric. And when he died, 20,000 employees came. Why? Because he practiced goodness to his employees by giving them the weekend off, by uh, instituting uh, profit sharing. This is what I'm talking about, good works. In whatever you do, uh, God has called us to do good works, and God will direct you and guide you to your purpose in life. And just know, be strong and courageous. Know that God is leading you to do His work, and His hand is with you. He will guide you and be strong and courageous. And so that's the call. Uh, Joshua is called by the Lord, as well as the people, as well as we are called uh, to make a difference in this life. And then the next step is to trust. Uh, what does it mean to trust? It means to believe. Uh, when we talk about belief, it's faith in action. Look at verse 10 to 11. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan, here to go in and take possession of land. The Lord your God is giving you to your own. So Joshua responds in faith. God's going to do it. Let's start doing it. It's, it's kind of like a sense of urgency. And the officers are affirming over and over again what God said, that he's going to do a new thing. In that, he's going to give the promised land to the people. And, and the people are participating in doing what they're told. And so this is really faith in action. Uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is confidence. They have the confidence in what we hope for. Their hope is to go to the promised land and the assurance that, you know, they heard the Lord is going to be given to you about what they do not see. They don't see it yet, but they're acting upon it. They have this hope, confidence, and assurance what God said he will accomplish. And the people remember for the past 40 years of wondering, watching, seeing the work of God. They witnessed manna come from heaven. They witnessed the quails bringing meat. They saw the pillar of of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. They know what God is going to do. And what they're doing is, we believe, Lord, that you're going to do it. You know, I really believe God is going to do a new thing in your life. And instead of being timid and fearful that it's not, do you believe? Do you believe he's going to do a new thing? Because he's with you, because he's guiding you, because he's leading you, I believe. I challenge you to believe that God is going to do a new thing. And trust is strengthened when more of us believe. What's interesting is not only God gives the promise to Joshua, he shares it with the tribes, but also there's something interesting. If you look at verses 12 to 15, but to the Reubenites, the Gadites, the half-tribes of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he said, the Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, but all your fighting men ready for battle must cross ahead of your fellow Israelites. You are to help them until the Lord gives them rest as he has done for you and until they too have taken possession of the land. The Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your land. The Lord your God is giving them. Uh, 
Occupy your land which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan toward the sunrise. Now, what is Joshua is referring to is back in Numbers chapter 32. The Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribes of Manasseh loved this land called Jazar and Gilead. And it is very suitable for their livestock. So they asked Moses if they can settle in the land, which is east of Jordan. And Moses hears their request. He asked them, if he gives them the land, would they just settle and not be part of the tribes or work with the tribes and fight for the promised land? And uh, let's look at Numbers chapter 32, 16 to 33, 16 to 13. It says here, Moses said to the Gadites and Reubenites, should your fellow Israelites go to war while you sit here? Why do you discourage the Israelites from crossing over into the land the Lord has given them? So Moses knows that if the Gadites, Reubenites, and have tribes of uh, Manasseh just settle and not fight with the Israelites while they don't have their land, this is very discouraging. And so he's reminding them. And then he continues on. This is what your fathers did when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to look over the land. After they went up to the valley of Eshkol and viewed the land, they discouraged the Israelites from entering the land the Lord has given them. The Lord's anger was aroused that day, and he swore this oath because they have not followed me wholeheartedly. Not one of those who were 20 years old or more, when they came up out of Egypt, will see the land I promised an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not one except Caleb, son of Jephthah and Kizzite, and Joshua, son of Nun. For they followed the Lord wholeheartedly. The Lord's anger burned against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness 40 years until the whole generation of those who had done evil in, in his sight was gone. So Moses is reminding these tribes, look, you know, if you disobey the Lord, these are the consequences. Let's remind ourselves what happened when we were at the promised land 40 years ago, and because of their unbelief, they weren't able to enter to the promised land. And so he, he brings out to the point to the tribes, if you, I give you this land, then you need to fight with us. You need to be with us. You need to obey the Lord. And so the tribes agreed to do what Moses said, and they pledged their heart to them. And so Moses responds. So let's look at uh, Numbers 32, verses 20 to 24. Then Moses said to them, If you will do this, if you will arm yourself before the Lord for battle, and if all of you who are armed cross over the Jordan before the Lord until he has driven the, his enemies out before him, then when the land is subdued before the Lord, you may return and be free from your obligation to the Lord and to Israel, and this land will be your possession before the Lord. But if you fail to do this, you will be sinning against the Lord. And you may be sure that your sin will find you out. Build cities for your women and children and pens for your flocks, but do what you have promised. So Moses shares with them, keep your covenant and do what you said you will do. So now fast forward, they're at the edge of the promised land. And Joshua is reminding them from verses 12 to 15. Uh, do you remember the covenant you made with Moses? And he's asking them, are you going to fight with us? Are you going to cross over with us? Because we are 
one unit. Just because you have your land doesn't mean that you just settle in your land. We're a body. It's just like the body of Christ. If one hurts, the rest hurts. We, as a body of Christ, can you come together to work together? You know, something that's really interesting that is uh, something that we need to think about as a church is we are a body of Christ. And if one person hurts, and I want to encourage you as a church, we need to care. We shouldn't be selfish. God closes. us. If he sees someone in need, we need to help. If we are moving forward as a church, we need to move together as a church. And this is exactly what Joshua is telling the people. Are you going to move together with us? Can you help us? Can you be part of us? And they said, yes, we will. And that's, that's what God is calling us to do as a family of God. God is going to do a new thing. Are you willing to move together as one unit? And so let's see what happens, verses 16 to 17. Then they answered Joshua, Whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. You know, that, that song we sang by Chris Tomlin, Where you go, I go. That's exactly what they're saying. Whatever you commanded us, we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. And they will obey Joshua just as they, will, they obeyed Moses. So the actions of this tribe strengthens and encourages the people to be strong and courageous, to believe that God is going to do a new thing by giving them the promised land. Do you believe as members of community that God's going to do a new thing in our lives? Uh, he might transform you. He might challenge you. We as a church, uh, might get our place of permanence. Do we believe that? And God has spoken to us. He says he's leading us to a new, uh, to new thing, and he's going to do new things. And he's looking to us as the Joshua generation who can believe, who can trust, who are called by God to do a new thing for him. And, and not only did they uh, trust, they obeyed. Uh, what they did was they were doing it. Right after Joshua hears the instruction from the Lord, immediately he ex- executes God's plan. He doesn't think about it over and over again. You know, some of us can never do something because we overthink. God speaks, well, are you sure God said that? Is he going to do this and so forth? You know, faith sometimes demands trust. It demands believing. But doing it is taking the step by step. To do what God calls us to do. It's just like when you uh, drive and you put in the GPS uh, where to go. It doesn't tell you uh, already everything what you need to do. But as you drive, it will say left turn, right turn. On your left, that's your destination. This is stepping in faith that we are driving with God and God is leading us. And, and, and because of that, we have energy to do what God wants us to do. You know, J.R. Parker, who wrote the book, uh, Knowing God, wrote this. Those who know God has great energy for God. Why? Because they know that God, when he speaks, he will do, and that he wants us to participate with him. And Joshua and his generation had this energy to do what God called them to do. And, and when you know that God is leading you and guiding you, do not fear, because he's going to take care of it. You know, Martin Luther, one of the great reformers, said this, I know not the way he leads me, 
but I do know my guide. What I have to, what I have to fear. I know not the way he leads me, but I do know my guide. What I have to fear. You know, we might not know what the way the way God might be leading you, but I do know Jesus is our captain and our king who will lead us. And so, uh, this is part of obedience, doing it. Uh, but the other part is. Uh, encouragement that we're affirmed that what we're doing, God is going to do. Uh, we need words of encouragement often. And this is what exactly the tribes do. Verse 18, they said, whoever against, uh, rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Notice here, three times God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. The fourth time, be strong and courageous are from people. And it's interesting that the people are affirming uh, as a confirmation what God is telling them, that God is telling them over and over again, be strong and courageous. And they're saying to Joshua, God's promise is true. We're going to get the promised land in your leadership. Be strong and courageous. In your uh, adherence to the word and practicing it, be strong and courageous. And as you do it, be strong and courageous. We're with you. And you know, uh, this reminds me what God can do in our lives. I remember uh, when I was 19, uh, this is during my early formations of my faith. I, I belong to the Navigators, a Christian organization uh, whose emphasis is discipleship. And uh, we used to go to summer training program. Uh, this was my first training program. I went to about three of them. And it was a 12-week uh, summer training program. And one of the components of the summer training program, and I went to UC Berkeley, lived in a fraternity dorms with about 90 people. And one of our components, as we spent the day uh, in the morning doing devotions, during the daytime we would work, and then at night we would uh, listen to teaching, worship, build community, and that was our sequence. And then the weekends, we would do something special, which was exercising our faith. What we'd learn, we would exercise it. Well, one of the exercises of faith was the passage in the New Testament where Jesus sent his disciples uh, two by twos to go out to towns uh, to heal the sick, cast out evil, and proclaim the kingdom of God. And so uh, on one weekend, all our teams, so there was 90 of us, uh, we broke up into teams of 10 to go to towns near us within the radius of 50 to 100 miles. And our task was to go to these neighboring communities and tell them that we're Christians coming to this neighborhood to serve. Uh, this is the way to evangelize often. Our team experienced amazing things. And I shared this with you in my past sermons, how we led uh, a couple to the Lord. And how we saw God answer every single prayers that we prayed about God answering miraculously. Well, when we came back, all the groups were full of excitement sharing about their two-day experience. And one of the things that we did was, just in case uh, what we prayed for God didn't work, uh, we had a coin. Uh, back then, there was a phone booth. Where, unlike today, we don't have phone booth, but back then there was phone booth where you put in a coin and you can make a collect call. And so the staff were waiting for us at Berkeley if we ever had an emergency. So one team 
uh, share with us how God led them back uh, to Berkeley. Uh, they were about like uh, 50, 60 miles away from Berkeley. Uh, and uh, after they served the community and really encouraged people and led people to the Lord, uh, the person who was driving the van, you got to understand the old van in the 70s, you know, they, they, they took 15 miles a gallon and uh, they knew they didn't have any gas. And they were really thinking, rationalizing, should we call the staff and tell them, hey, no one gave us money to come back? Uh, or should we go on faith? So they prayed and God really assured them. And, and the word that God gave to them was, I'm going to take you to Berkeley with no problem. Trust me. And then Joshua 1 came, be strong and courageous. And so it was like, like a parallel. I'm going to take you to the promised land. And so they prayed about it, and they felt really peace about it. And one of them said, we're going to step by faith because faith without works is dead. But we don't want to be just faith, I believe. But just in case something happens, we got this uh, dime, and we can make a collect call. Uh, and so they went. And as they were driving, the distance was about an hour, about roughly 60 miles away. Um, the gas gauge was empty. and they knew by eight or 10 miles, the car should stop. On the eighth mile, it kept on going and going. By the 20th mile, you know, it's like, you know, I have an electric car. When I know my charge is almost to zero, I get really nervous. And this is what the people are feeling. They're getting really nervous about the ordeal. But instead of being fretting, they kept on saying, God told us we're gonna make it. So we need to be strong and courageous and praying by faith. Lord, lead us uh, through this. And, and, and they started going 30 miles, 40 miles, 50 miles. And then when they finally came out of the exit, they were again nervous. Are we going to stop? But again, they remembered God's word. Be strong and courageous. They started continuing to pray. And then when they finally arrived at Berkeley, at the frat house where we were staying, right after they parked, the car just turned off, no gas. And they shared with us this story, and we were so excited to hear that God can do amazing things when we put our trust in Him, when we obey Him, once we get God's message. And that's true for us, we as Christians. You might say, that's for them, not for me. No, God can do great and mighty things in your personal life. If it is God and you confirm it, Trust and obey because God is going to lead you and will accomplish it. And we as a church too, let's start praying. Trust and obey. Uh, where are we going to meet after we uh, finish this pandemic? Trust and obey. Believe. We as a, a church looking for a place of permanence, where are we going to meet? Trust and obey. God's going to provide. God's going to do it. We, in our personal lives as a church, how can we be there for each other? Trust and obey. Believe that God will do it. Because God is calling us to be a Joshua generation that cares, that loves, that will be there for each other. And I do pray for our church, that we'll be a church that cares for each other, and that we'll be sensitive to the needs of each other. God is calling us to be that kind of church. So trust and obey to do what God wants us to do, and in the process of doing it,
be strong and courageous.